Hey, this is Dan Quiggle with Garage to Goliath, Leaders Building Legacies podcast. I want to talk about two leadership principles. Remember the other side has troubles too, and trust and verify. And I'll start with remember the other side has troubles too. I bring this up for this reason. So often in business, so often in life, we get blinders on. We think we're the only ones going through these problems. However, all you have to do is look around because everybody has problems and sometimes a lot greater than yours. I mean, remember, I own a real estate title company. In 2005, 2006, where was the market? The market was really high. So for me to sit in my office and think I was some sort of genius, well, guess what, everybody? There were a lot of geniuses at that time. Now, my role was to find the average and and rise above that, to find our niche, how we had value. If you survived to 2010, 2011, where was the market really low? Everyone was down there, though. So again, for me to sit in my office and think, no one knows the pain I'm going through. No, 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 no. Realtors knew. Mortgage brokers knew. Banks knew. Developers knew. All those people who lost their jobs, they definitely knew. So again, for me to sit there and think, no, no, everyone knew. Now my role is to rise above that average and to, you know, find my niche, how I add value. I bring this up for this reason, everyone. Because we're not hunting for food every day, and I mean literally hunting for our next meal on the streets like a rabid dog, we manufacture problems. We make them up. Like traffic. Do you know how horrible it was? I sat there for 45 minutes, not even moving. Now, granted, somebody died up ahead and they have to deal with that with their family. But do you know the inconvenience that caused me? Now, I did have heated and air-conditioned leather seats in case my rear end was uncomfortable. I did have beamed to my vehicle from space circling the planet Earth from a satellite any genre of music or talk radio or entertainment. And I did hold a magical device in my hand that allows me to talk almost instantaneously with anybody on the planet Earth or play video games, trade stocks, watch, you know, funny videos. But do you know the pain that I was going through? I'm just saying we manufacture problems. You know, a lot of the people who will listen to this will be sitting in a heated or air-conditioned room. They may have a TV. They're listening to this through some electronic device. There are a lot of people that don't have these things. So when I speak on college campus and I get to talk to these kids, it's so funny because I'll I'll say something and at the end they'll come up and they'll go, Mr. Quiggle, this has been the most incredible weekend. Thank you. And And I'll just ask this question. So how are you? And whether I'm at Harvard or UCLA or Texas or Miami, wherever I am, I'll often get the same answer. These kids will go, I mean, I'm okay. I mean, I've you know, I got a lot of stuff going on. I got a big test on Monday, a big paper due on Tuesday. My girlfriend just broke up with me. Up with me. I mean, it's been pretty hard. It's you know, no one really knows the pain that I'm going through. To which I say, you know, I, I don't know what they want from me at that moment. You know, for me to say a test, a test. What kind of monster would make you put on paper what you have in your head? Or a breakup? Are you okay? No one in America has ever been through that. Go on the Today Show. Tell people what you've seen here. You know, I don't know what they expect. Now, granted, using emotional intelligence, if they just told me they lost a family member, I would react differently. But they just told me they have a test. So I may sometimes say to them, can I ask you a question? 
Did you just walk over to me on two legs? Can you see me? Can you hear me right now? Because there are people born without some of, you know, with some of these things that no longer have them or never had them at all. There are people that are coming back from Afghanistan that had those things before and now do not have them. So last time I checked, you're at a college campus, at a leadership conference, in a great state, in America. Life's been pretty good for you. So I challenge you to find the good, to make sure you understand that remember the other side has troubles too. Now we're going to talk about trust but verify. So how many of you have read the Harvard Business Review article, Keeping the Monkey Off Your Back? Life changing. This is an old article, maybe the most well-read article ever on Harvard Business Review. And I promise you that when we finish with this, you will never view a project ever again except for a monkey huddled both arms and both legs on your back. And you're going to see that monkeys are flying all the time, back and forth, back and forth. And by the way, it's as simple as this. I'll just make the call, monkey. I'll just send the email, monkey. Okay, look, I'll just go talk to a monkey all day long. So I'll put you in a hypothetical situation for a second. It's Monday. You need a project done by Friday. You call John into the office. You shut the door. You say, John, I need the following project done by Friday. You need to call the following three people. Here are two of their numbers. The third one's a personal friend of mine. He just changed his cell number, so I don't have that, but I still want you to get started today. Do you have the project? John says, yes. What does the monkey do? The monkey, if you can visualize it, leaps both arms, both legs from your back on a John's back and walks out of the office, and you're like, dang, that felt good. I now only have 232 monkeys left on my back. You get called out of town. You get back in town. It's now Wednesday afternoon at 4.30. You're sitting in your office, which means, by the way, the week is over halfway done. You're sitting in your office. You're on a cell phone call. John walks by. Your door is open. He sees you. What does he need from you? The cell phone number. He reaches through. You're on the phone call. You can almost picture this going down. He said, Dan, I know you're on a call right now. I need that number from you. At that moment, if you can visualize, the monkey has one arm and one leg on John's back, and it's reaching out, reaching out, reaching back, saying, Dan, 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 take me back. Take me back so I can join hundreds of other monkeys on your back and beat you into the ground and make sure you never accomplish anything in your personal or professional life. See, most leaders, most CEOs, most managers, they, don't, they haven't read the article. They haven't heard the speech. So they don't see the monkeys flying back and forth. So they'll say, all right, I'll get you the number. And what does the monkey do? The monkey flies through the door. John goes back to his desk, sits down, says, Dan, I don't even think he wants this project done. He can't give me a simple number. Never again. What could you have said now that you know monkeys are flying? I'm on a phone call right now. Get that number from me by the end of today. Now where does a monkey stay? On his back. Now John goes back to his desk. He's like, Sue, Bill, Bob, somebody tell me when Dan's off the phone. I need that number. I have a dinner at 5.30 in an hour. I need to get out of here. Here's all I'm saying. You hire people for a reason. Let them do their job. When I talk to leaders of companies or, or, or of you know these great organizations, I ask this question. Do you want to be an owner or do you want to be a manager? Because there's a difference. No right or wrong, just a difference. So what do you want? 
But to do that, you have to trust the people around you. Now, the number one argument of the second in command is they'll say, they won't give me the monkeys. They want to be the one to sign the final check. They want to be the one to be in all, every meeting. The problem is that slows down progress. So I got invited to this dinner in Los Angeles called a dinner for 12 interesting people. How do you say no to that? So I show up. Well, sitting next to me is one of the largest venture capitalists in the entire country. So we're going around the table. Everybody's talking and they're asking questions. And at this one point, we're all supposed to ask each other questions. And they ask him this question. What do you look for when you want to buy a business? And listen carefully to his answer. You know what he said? I look for a company that's an I, that has a CEO that's an I. Because we bring in a we leadership team, a we mentality, and we make a heck of a lot more money than I's do. Wow. In other words, sometimes you just need to get out of the way. You need to understand that it's okay to hire people, to surround yourself with people that are are not only better than you, that may even be smarter than you. Because great things can happen. Do you trust and verify? Trust it's getting done, verify it gets done. See, there's a reason why Merrill and Lynch don't even have to be alive, let alone in every office in America to make that business run. They empower others to do it for them. See, I have a book, Lead Like Reagan. Wiley published it. They put it in all the airports in America. You know, you get calls from friends all over the country uh, talking about, you know, the fact they've seen it in O'Hare or LaGuardia or Atlanta or Los Angeles. Each chapter is, you know, how did he create the vision? It's morning again. It's a new dawn. How did he assemble the team? Do you know that James Baker actually ran campaigns against Ronald Reagan? James Baker ran campaigns against Ronald Reagan, and yet who did he choose to be his right hand? That guy. What would most leaders have done? Punished him. Not Ronald Reagan. You're the best. I need the best. Join my team. He communicated the message. He built coalitions. He took action. Do you know that when he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, that was taken out of his speech by the State Department? Do you know that it was not allowed in his final version? And what did he do anyway? He said it. So when I say don't curse, I don't mean don't show backbone. No, stand for what you believe. Choose your battles. And when you choose it, be willing to fight for it. He handled crisis and ultimately he changed the world. How do we change our world? Hope you enjoyed this episode of Garage to Goliath. Remember, please subscribe to the show at quigglegroup.com forward slash iTunes and share with a friend. Thanks. Thanks.